Today's show is brought to you by MillenniLink, where talent and digital transformations intersect. Brittany, Brittany, what's going on? Jessica, Jessica. I'm doing pretty good. How are you? It's sort of like an overcast day. We're both in like a bit of a mood right now, but we're going to push through. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I don't know if it's because like almost all the light bulbs in my apartment are not working. So it's so dark in here. I'm like, is it 10 p.m.? Is it 3 a.m.? Like I have no I, no concept. What? Where's your what boyfriend? I know. I'm mean, going over there. Ladder. Do the man's work. Trader Joe, come, hurry. <laughs> <laughs> or else just threaten him. Be like, I call this handyman. Like, he definitely. He's really hot. He definitely <laughs> likes me. I don't know what you think of that. <laughs> um, so I am leaving you next week. I'm going to Bermuda to renew my visa. I heard vacay? No, not vacay. I'm just going for two days. It's like a whole thing. But, anyways, I went and got my second COVID test today because I was supposed to be gone this week. Bermuda's only like three hours away, but they're. Their policies, and this is a, a huge PSA to anybody traveling, okay? When you hear COVID tests, you think if I'm bougie, you pay up for a rapid COVID test, right? That's what we think. Yes. Well, no. There yeah. are two COVID tests. There's a rapid, which you pay extra for, like I wrote on my Instagram post. So it's 100 for people with insurance and 250 for non-insurance holders. Did you go to MedRite as well? I went to exact MedRite you sent me to because I know how diligent you are with your COVID testing. <laughs> I went last night. You went last night again? Yeah. Did you pay for yeah. the rapid? or get the PCR no no I've been going to city MD unless I actually need results because now the regular testing is down to like three days right so that's the whole thing which I so I ran up there last week when you when I found out that I needed a COVID test to go to Bermuda that you have to show negative papers off the plane I'm like they're like do you want rapid or PCR I was like oh rapid and I was like oh it costs money whatever I'll pay it so I go onto the site to finish booking. You have to do like a travel form. They're like, you must have a PCR test. You can't travel oh. without it. I was like, are you kidding me? And the PCR test, what is the difference? It's three to four days to get, but what is the difference? Yeah, but I think they, they're a completely different test. Like one, so you just I know that the, the rapid test, they don't need to go all the way up to your nose. Like they just need to swab the insides, but it's whatever agents that they use after the fact that differ, I guess, the results. Yeah, so I went and got the the PCR test today. I was screaming, Brit. I was like, ah, I was like, I'm so sorry. I heard like I hear everybody freaks out. Is this like abnormal? She's like, yep, this is a pretty loud freak out. I was like, okay, I'm sorry. Wow. Wait, did you scream? It was just so painful. The PCR, like you said, they go all the way up the nose. She had to do like half and half in each of my noses. So, anyways, Ooh. you can only have a COVID test within 72 hours of flying to Bermuda but then you have to have the PCR test takes three days to come back so like it's just so stressful the whole thing so what are you gonna do so you already got it I got it hopefully everything just lines up everything's perfect good to go but I have uh I have a very good boyfriend because I told him that he has to get the COVID test too like just because I I wanted him to not for any other reason than that and we like got in this big (laughs) argument and then he li- he's always like sending me these articles and I hate him sending me ar- articles because I think our show should be like female <laughs> minds only. That's like my rule for it. And he constantly is like, oh, check this out. And I'm like, no, this is my show. I do not need your. Polit- he sends some good ones. He sends me some ones that I'm like, OK, <laughs> I like this one. I do not need your political influence. So, so when you like- say no, he just sends it to me, you know? Yeah. OK, well, then maybe some of our stories still come through from him. But I do not like the male. I think this is a female minded show. That's the special nature of it. And then we got in this huge argument. He left. And then I go to 
to get my COVID test and I see him sitting in the waiting room. I was like, aha, <gasps> good boy. No way. Oh my <laughs> guys, you should see Jess and her boyfriend. Like, I love them so much because when she's like telling her boyfriend like what to do and what like pisses her off, she gets into these hissy fits and they're so fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's the life of me. (laughs) Yes. Have you guys heard how Black Friday is changing this year? If you're a brick and mortar company that depends on an end of year boost from Black Friday in holiday season sales, forecasts for 2020 are bleak. With COVID regulations expected to remain in place well into 2021, companies that depend on foot traffic are scrambling for e-commerce and mobile commerce solutions, as well as payment solutions that are consumer friendly. Creating, implementing, and maintaining a digital commerce solution for your business can be expensive and challenging, especially when you're trying to hire the right people for the job. But don't worry, Cake for Breakfast has got you covered. Our sponsor, Millennialink, is an all-star recruiter out of Canada. As American-based companies in the work-from-home era, we can use the service to hire tech and IT professionals while paying $0.69 on the dollar for top talent. Canada is a global leader in attracting tech and IT talent, with Toronto especially ranking up there with quality standards consistent with Seattle and New York. Good tech talent can be hard to find, so why not tap into some new pools of talent, especially if you have noticed a shortage in your market due to high-skilled immigrant H-1B visas being restricted. Hiring from Canada offers you a large pool of experienced professionals who have been educated, trained, and are accustomed to regularly working in the U.S., Now, here is the deal. Now through Christmas, Millennialink is offering 25% off all their tech and IT hiring fees. If you're listening to our podcast and you know you want a free tech assessment for your business to make sure your business is able to operate in the digital economy, then just give these guys a shout. They can be reached at 1-647-643-6100 or contact them at www.millennialink.com. Millennialink, M-I-L-L-E-N-I-L-I-N-K dot com slash contact dash us. You will find all this information in our show's bio. Today on the show, we are talking a blockbuster serious deal. Sex toys are the fastest growing industry and big tech is sent scrambling after the 450 page antitrust report dropped Tuesday. All right, so this serious deal is pretty major right now. Obviously, let, take one guess on who this deal is for, Britt. The sexy Howard Stern. <laughs> you, <laughs> the one and only. You have a great Howard Stern story. Can you tell everybody what it is again? No, I used to like stay up past my bedtime and secretly watch Howard Stern's late night talk show because <laughs> it was so scandalous and sexual. Like I felt like I learned a lot about sex on because of him that was me and sex watching <laughs> sex in the sea i didn't even know howard stern had like a live show i always thought he was always radio anyways according to sources sirius xm is super close to inking a new contract with howard stern that would pay the shock jock about 120 million dollars a year that's so what? major like that is so much wait, money wait, wait, wait. 120 million a year a year so his previous contract was around 80 million and paid on top of that, Stern's people costs as well as production costs. Can I just tell you, when I heard there's something, there's like an allotted slot to people costs, like I want that. So like he must, they must pay his everything, right? Like his secretary, his masseuse maybe. Literally, that's where my his head went first too. I'm like, does he get masseuses paid for? Because it like is connected <laughs> to his job. I mean, the guy has to sit in the, in the booth for three hours a day, right? Like the guy's going to need a shoulder massage from time to time. Um, this sounds like a lot of money, 
But who is serious without Howard Stern? Like, they need him more than he needs them. So Stern is the only way Sirius can compete on a real platform against, like, Spotify. Um, He is this, I think he is, like, the major staple in their business, right? And when I I was thinking about it when I was writing the story, I was kind of like, I'm a little bit disappointed in Sirius, if I could be honest, because... You think about them, they were, they had the infrastructure, like they had the branding done, like they were really ahead of, ahead of people in like the radio podcast game. Like they could have been there, but my feeling is that they were kind of like, no, we're a radio show. We're keeping radio. Like Barstool was sort of like internet radio, right? That's how Dave uh, launched them. Mm -hmm. And now they're like the third biggest podcast platform in the world. I feel like Sirius could have had this power too, but something inside me tells me that they probably hung on too long to this idea of just being like a talk show radio yeah they sound like a blockbuster versus a netflix like they honestly could have easily translated all their content into podcasts so it's just a bummer that they aren't they're staying as is hopefully howard stern takes a deal and keeps them going but if not i think howard stern could easily start a podcast and be the next well there was some rumors that he was secretly meeting with spotify ahead of his contract (gasps) Right. No, but I kind of wonder, like, really? Joe Rogan is the spot, is, is the face of Spotify right now. I sort of wonder if Howard Stern's like, you know what, even though I'm with this, like, sleeper company, I am the face. Like, I'm the powerhouse. Like, I don't think at his age he wants to go okay. in and have to compete with Joe. Like, if he goes in and on Joe Rogan's podcast, it's going to be like, first of all, he'd have to transition to being a podcast, which he doesn't, hasn't really seemed mm-hmm. to do yet. In a, in, a, in a competitive way, I mean. Another thing with Sirius is they did acquire Stither in July. So Stither is another one of those like startup podcast uh, networks like that anyone can kind of join and, and stream their business on. So hopefully with that, you know, that brings them more into the podcast game. I just feel like this company is, has, is mismanaged. They're sort of like the Tiffany's like in the audio space. There's something about them that's just not competitive, even though they should be, like I said, with their infrastructure, with their branding, with everything that they sort of have built in already. It's, it's almost disappointing. Last thing, Sirius started was up 7% on these rumors alone, which is nuts, right? Just on somebody's like potential deal coming through. Like there's, he's such a market maker. Wow, the power of people. We have Jay Beebs, whose deal got announced officially today. We have Kanye with his Gap deal. And then we have Howard Stern with Sirius. Former Call Her Daddy co-host Sophia has announced her new venture. And she's launching her own, guess it, a podcast called Sophia with an F. There's not a lot out on this yet, right? No, so there's only a little like a tidbit of a sizzle where it has all these sound bites of people hating on her. And then she ends it with, so I guess you want to hear from me. And they obviously care what she has to say totally. because she still has 800,000 followers. So Britt, let's analyze the data pieces we have so far. Like her promo looked so good. I was like, this shows it like has my, like she would have my interest already, but the promo for it looked really cool. I loved, I loved her angle because I think in this world, you can either pretend all the hate and all the gossip isn't there, or you can just like make fun of it. And it seems like she knows that she's hated. She knows she probably messed up, but she's here and she's not going anywhere. And I don't know who did her branding or who is going to be supporting this podcast, but it looks very legit. Ooh, I like that angle you take. That's actually really true. It's like, rather than her coming out and being like, guys, I'm going to do a mental health podcast. She's coming out being like, literally addressing the rumors and the tabloid culture head on like Kim Kardashian did that episode two first season of Kim keeping up with the Kardashians Kim's like 
let's talk about my sex tape okay like I just wanted to have sex so everyone get over it we shouldn't have filmed it you know like she just like head-on addressed it (laughs) and that's like what you need these days like everyone likes transparency and there was a lot of shit and she hopefully will fess up on like hey I wish I didn't sign or I wish I did just sign the deal I miss Alex like maybe we'll hear about that or maybe we won't this might be a new fresh start for her but the beauty for her is that she has the following which is currency in today's age where if she wanted to start a beauty company Sephora would take her in a heartbeat if she wanted to go into YouTube like YouTube themselves would probably offer her a deal. Offer her like, a deal. she has so much leverage because of the community that she already has and I'm excited to see if we've talked about how one of the founders of SoulCycle left and start the, started her own company that recently went under but then you have other times when the founder of Bumble left Tinder to start her own app and it's a wild success what yeah. do you think it's gonna happen with Sophia I think it'll be interesting to see what her podcast is. Like we said, there's really not a lot of transparency other than like her. She's definitely going to go on. I would be shocked if she doesn't do like a sit down, tell all. Here's it from my side. Like, do you remember that really kind of awkward video? It looked like she was in the Hamptons or somewhere. She came on after Alex did that 30 minute or 60 minute rundown on like, here's what happened. And Alex's was I've always liked Alex. Super transparent notes on her key, like notes on her computer like point to point to point, running through like a, a, a systematic timeline. Sophia's was like, guys, I love Call Her Daddy. I love the daddy gang. You know, it was just very fake. It wasn't all there. And you've mentioned to me that Alex does all their editing. Like she's really the backbone of Call Her Daddy. And Instagram. She did their Instagram and their editing. So to me, she was really the brand. So let's But see. now Sophia has a fancy management firm and a fancy, you know, she's got fancy representation. Suitman's been fired from HBO. I'm sure he's like, okay, this is my one job now. <laughs> like he's probably <laughs> totally behind that too. So yeah, she definitely, you know, how she has that sort of sexier girly girl voice, whereas Alex has more of the androgynous feel to her. Um, so yes, I think Sophia is beautiful. I honestly so like Sophia more, but then as time went on, I respected Alex more than Sophia. Yeah. Um, so I think the biggest issue here is like with anything else is like, what's her point of differentiation? Like, why is her new podcast going to be anything different than Call Her Daddy? And, what and where is, is she positioning herself in the podcast industry, really? She is a different uh, life, too, right? If she still is with Suitman, like she's in a almost marriage very serious relationship like just a different thing um, I was listening to Heather McDonald's podcast which is like one of my favorite shows right now and she had Perez Hilton on who we covered pretty in depth on the show on Tuesday and Perez said Paris Hilton's documentary was so fake he spent like years partying what? and hanging out with her and he said he's never watched something so fake than watching that documentary I was like whoa the tea why though what was his well he's like really annoyed she won't address being a pot smoker like I, I told you that too like I was surprised hearing that and he's like look this this girl anytime you see her at any point in the day she's got a J hanging out of her mouth like why doesn't she just address that and he says that the show was fake that's not really who- she's trying to like continuously manipulate us like she's trying to like tell us that this is who she is and he's like in in like you know that was her big thing in her documentary I am Paris like this is me and then he's like that's still not her she's still just trying to like control the narrative now for a quick interruption I just want to ask something out of you guys If you were listening to the show today and have not subscribed, would you mind just taking a couple seconds to do so? It's super simple. I'm going to walk you through it really quick. All you have to do is pick up your phone that you're listening to the show on, go to the main screen. You should see a purple icon. It almost looks like a satellite dish and it says podcast below it. Once you open that up, 
in the search icon, type in cake for breakfast. The show will come up and just hit the subscribe button. It's free for you and very meaningful for me. It supports my business. And honestly, Oprah asks her listeners to do the same thing, so I don't feel weird about it. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening and thank you even more for supporting the show today. All right, so the headline news today is all the coverage of this 450-page antitrust report that dropped on Tuesday, and it has sent all our big tech boys scrambling. So Apple, Amazon, Facebook, Alphabet, Google, these are the companies in question right now. So the House Judiciary Committee's antitrust panel released its 450-page report, like I said, on Tuesday, highlighting the market dominance of the biggest names in tech. And together, these names boast a market value of more than $5 trillion. That is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. All right. So to break this down a level further to make sense of it, basically, we all know, like Britt and I sit and talk all the time, like, wow, Amazon like owns groceries, fashion. They own space, don't they? Healthcare. Are they in space yet? Do they have a rocket like Elon or is that just him? (laughs) Point is, (laughs) I think it doesn't take you being a brain scientist or being part of this fancy government group to recognize... um, you know, how much dominance some of these big companies have. Even Facebook, right? Like they have a studio. They have, they own a lot of stuff too that we don't, might not necessarily know about as much. Of course, these all have major revenue streams in many different capacities. But it is wild to me that like say Mark Zuckerberg, he started when he was a college student creating the Facebook when he had nothing and they were so scrappy. And now like it's turned into this amazing, amazing empire. So it is kind of like the American dream, don't you think? It's true. These companies do own a lot. App, like it's just they, they own a ton of what's going on in, in commerce right now. But the American dream is like you can be anything you want. Zuckerberg, he was a little fancy. I think he went to um, what's that fancy boarding school, Exeter. Like I think he had like an Exeter to Harvard thing. His parents were fancy dentists. Uh, Jeff Bezos, I actually don't know his parents story, but he worked at D.E. Shaw, which is an incredibly powerful hedge fund, married his assistant, Mackenzie. They took off to Seattle. But like, but like rich, but not like they're not like Vanderbilt's or Rockefeller's like they're just, you know, upper middle class living in a normal house in Seattle, built Amazon out of a garage. So should we really like rip these people down? And like, what does that say about America? But at the same time, like there has to be boundaries, right? Like now Amazon, they own like what you eat, what you buy, like your health care. Like there's so much where to a certain extent, like you have to understand like they're so weaved into our mm-hmm. lives. They can't own everything. Facebook owns your 20s. Because like, let's just be honest. Like, that's sort of when we all got on it. Like, they own our 20s. And the more data that they have, like, if they can know every aspect of our life because they have companies that feed into our routine in every angle possible, they're just imagine how much data and insight that they have on us where it can get extremely creepy and scary if there, if there's no boundary. Right. And we all know, like, that's what we're saying. We all know these arguments. We all say the same things all the time. Like, Big Brother's a scary tool. So that's why this antitrust company comes in to sort of, like, fight our battles for us. And some of the things they're saying, like, is Amazon owns 40% of the e-commerce space. Like, that's a lot. 40% of e-commerce wow. business and it's all owned by Amazon. Pretty aggressive. Um, a few sick. other quotes that I saw trending. Companies that were once scrappy, underdog, startup, that challenge the status quo have become the kinds of monopolies we last saw in the era of oil barons and railroad tycoons, the report reads. Which is true. Like, we think back to Gatsby. It was like, wow. Gatsby was like the drug guy or whatever, but... Um 
what's the other guy's name tom something oh, i can't remember he's so funny with the big mansion on the island like it's like that king owned everything and then everyone else in like the queens of the old days was like working for them and it makes you think so another quote coming out of it is these firms typically run the marketplace while also competing in it right that sits kind of heavy that that's yeah. that's the issue too a position yes. that enables them to write one set of rules for the other while they play by another, the report added, saying that the companies engage in a form of their own private quasi-regulation that is unaccountable to anyone but themselves. Yeah, imagine that, like, Amazon, like, they have this massive marketplace where they own where anyone can sell but they also have their own private label of even like tissue boxes or say so obviously they're going to favor their tissue boxes over kleenex and no one can stop wouldn't a whole you know you go to whole foods in 365 is like like does amp you know what i mean that feels like a different revenue stream the 365 products compared to the other products that are sold in there no, that's a good point. Like, I think that's probably just, like, at a lower scale. Like, we always – and that's, again, like, it's fine, right? Like, if they're willing to have a marketplace. Like, I even wanted to create a beauty platform at one point, and then I'd eventually use the data, like, just understand what people wanted to buy and then create my own line and sell it to the same people. Like, that's fine. Like, that's what a lot of business – smart businesses do. Yeah. But it's to a certain extent, right? Like, if they have so much power that they can just stomp on any competition that comes – their way then it's not really them giving you choices as a consumer they're dictating what you can buy and what you can i like bezos because he's a hedge fund guy and i just like kind (laughs) of know his transition from working on wall street to like building this business like i like him Zuckerberg, his bangs I'll never get on board with, and I just, he doesn't win it with me. (laughs) (laughs) You and his bangs, you have a thing for them. I have a public service announcement. Your next new venture should be in sex Business venture? (laughs) Yep, because all that alone time during the pandemic has caused many people to take their sexual needs into their own hands. (laughs) Brittany, this is not that kind of show, girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so I get these like daily emails um, from this beauty organization called CEW. And it's all about like, oh, like here, this is what Estee Lauder is doing. And oh, there's this really cute beauty brand that's taking over this part of the beauty space. And then I opened my email yesterday and they're like the future of sexual wellness. And they're like COVID caused this big boom in sex toys. And I was like, what? And I thought about that. Like, I guess the sales for birth control, for condoms are all down. Because obviously people are maybe having babies or they're not seeing anyone and therefore no need for birth control. Well, I find that interesting because I feel like every time I open up the news to search for search for content for the show like 12 people are having babies right same thing so that's where they were just saying like a lot of brands are innovating in the sex toy space the sex doll is like the number one increase in search volume oh my gosh right before a vibrator and rabbit vibrator yeah i had no idea what a rab yeah there's just a lot of interesting stuff happening in this space that you probably haven't really thought of as an industry of its own but wow tech group which owns we vibe and womanizer reported that their online sales for both brands were over 200 percent higher this april compared to last and so a lot of the bigger firms like adam and eve and the bigger ones are doing phenomenally well as we can all imagine if you're not really dating at this point like 
people have needs, you know? Um, <laughs> but on the flip side, <laughs> it is sad because the brick and mortar stores, the New York Times has recently interviewed some of the sex stores that are located right in New York City, and they're not seeing the same uptick. So they interviewed Babeland, Pleasure, and Shag, and they're seeing small bursts of online sales. But they, they've been arguing that the beauty of coming into a physical space is that you get to educate the consumer on sex toys and you can help them find the right product for them because it's just as important to find the right product in order for it to work best on you. So some of them have even pivoted to start selling masks during this time because they're really struggling to to pay rent while all these online retailers are booming in the space well that's one thing that you don't think of as like an innovative space with sex toys like the last time i ever heard like branding or marketing around a sex toy was on sex in the city they the girls had the rabbit and they did a whole episode on that which like back that must have been like early day branding deal right with the rabbit sex toy company being like oh partnership deal with sex in the city another thing that i I remembered when you presented the story was the consumer electronic trade show which happens every January the big talk was around like the sex toys and the you know female these female run businesses it was like this emerging industry but after that I didn't really hear much about it but I do remember that making a lot of headlines at the CES show yeah and so it's it's an interesting question of which we're seeing a lot it's like are these big box retailers like Amazon Adam and Eve in this sex toy industry able to dominate or is that personal experience and education about finding the right one more important and so we're seeing covid like people i even thought like oh no we're gonna be going into a very digital world where no one needs human interaction anymore but this pandemic taught us quite the opposite that nothing is ever going to replace human interaction and so I'm curious to see what where the slide scales in terms of needing these brick and mortar stores versus not. And this is an industry that's a little bit like hush hush. You don't really talk about it, but there is a lot of money in this people and there's a lot of opportunity to make people very happy. All right. Well, watch out, Trader Joe. Your girl's been doing a lot of sex toy research this week. So (laughs) (laughs) we'll see what happens. All right, to close out our stories today, let's finish with some big tech news. This news in particular, I'm very excited about. The unveiling of the iPhone 12 will take place on October 13th. Now, why this is exciting, we're not Whoa. just trying to push products on the show, is because the state's been pushed around. There's been a lot of mystery about it. Like with every iPhone launch that happens, it's always the new big thing happening. And people have been dying to know what's the new innovation this time around, guys. So the big thing to get excited about for this iPhone is that it will be the first iPhone to have 5G technology. Now, 5G technology is like, you know, when you have like business versus personal internet and 5G is like the extra fast like business internet or whatever, all phones yeah. are now going to stream on that so here is the downside they are officially like it was sort of trending some of the iPhones you got the headphones some you didn't they are officially going forward cutting off free headphones with um, iPhones and their argument is like the 5G technology is so expensive that we have to make costs cut somewhere and we're gonna do that that's bullshit so they say they just want everyone to start using airpods yeah well the airpods so you know when you get a new iphone because I'm, I'm on we're on different cycles i feel like everybody's on like either one year cycle or the or the other because you get the free upgrade or whatever every two years uh, or yeah. like it's like a hundred dollars or something something manageable otherwise if you go off term you have to pay like a thousand dollars for the phone but with the headphones you got the ones with like the strings the the cord the cord, the yes, cord. The and then the, you always had to buy the airpods separately and now they're just trying to yes like you said push everybody over to the airpods damn i like that's and you know what's funny is i 
last week was walking and so i lost one of my um airpods in my first case and then i had a second case i was like it's fine as i was walking home my um my airpod one of them dropped into the sewer so i couldn't get it and now i'm like what is my life before like i just got airpods like right in march i have never used them never thought i needed them and then I got them. And like the last few weeks, I've been in such a tizzy because I'm like, how do I take a call without AirPods? Like, how does this work? My hair- headphones don't work anymore. I need my AirPods. And that's what they do so well, where they just like push you, where they're like, OK, here's a new upgraded um, computer and no longer can you put a CD-ROM in it. And I'm like, what? I need that. But then you just buy it anyways and just accept it and move on. And slowly I realize like, wow, they really know how to push and guide you to a point where you can't even imagine your life without their newest, greatest product. Okay, well, thank you for taking us down your iPod journey there. I really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very emotional, your very, emotional very emotional AirPod journey. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Brittany is really <laughs> rattled by this news. <laughs> What was your first, when did you enter? So the first iPhone came out January 2007. I think it got to Canada in about June. And that's, I've been on an iPhone since the very first drop. Like I was in school, I had a job uh, as a, at the golf course. And I got, I used that money to pay for my, for the new iPhone. Because at that time it wasn't like, oh, you're 12 years old. Like here's a, here's an iPhone for free. Like it is now for kids. Interesting. I don't remember. I feel like it was my freshman year of college. So that's 2010 that I got my first iPhone. Before I had the pink razor, the Blackberry. Honestly, if I met a girl that was around my age, I don't think I could be friends with her if I knew that she opted out of not out of having a, a pink razor. Like I, I just can't, couldn't be friends oh, with a woman. Great. Who, no, definitely yeah, not. Like if you didn't have a pink razor and you had a different cell phone and you were like, you chose not to have a pink razor. Like there's just no way a friendship could ever happen. Like who <laughs> are you? I don't think our priorities are aligned anymore. Yeah, I just probably would stop. Being that would be like somebody saying, I don't like Spice Girls and I didn't like Britney Spears either. It's like, you know what? This just isn't going to work here. <laughs> You're like, yeah, this is too. We're just two different people. You can go your way. I will go mine. Are you going to do that when you get the iPhone 12 and I'm stuck with the 11? No, but I'll just take all the pictures on my phone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right brit's got her play of the day today right. and i'm excited to hear about it, it is the american murderer the family next door it is on netflix i had no idea what it was about except a murderer who was probably american and it was kind of freaky um so it takes place i they have a ton of footage of this family and this case of this murder where the wife who is pregnant got, went missing with her and her two daughters. And so the husband was found and he was trying to help with investigation as much as he could. And they could not find the wife and daughters. And so I'll leave it at that. But it was just so creepy because they were able to pull in all of the wives like Facebook videos. She did like a lot of selfie videos talking about her day and how much she loved her kids. And they even pulled in all of her text messages to her husband throughout the movie, which I thought was so interesting because social media does play such a big part in cases today and just our lives. So it was really interesting. It was a very like modern day way of looking at a case. And it freaked me out because you think that you trust someone and like what they're saying I'm like oh my god that poor guy why don't the police believe him and then you learn more and you're like oh my god I was totally fooled like 
they're crazy so watch it i'm not gonna say too much but it's crazy it's creepy starts us slow but keep watching because the end is pretty wild and that is the american family on netflix if you love what you heard today please rate review and subscribe guys we are really trying to get our review numbers up because our download numbers are going up so we want the reviews to reflect that it takes literally two minutes hit the purple podcast icon button on your phone it's an app and just put in a review you can say great work guys love the show Brittany. you're hilarious jess i love you whatever you want just throw us a review we'll be ever so happy you can add us on instagram at girl on the street underscore or at britney.lo that's b-r-i-t-t-a-n-y dot l-o or at cake for breakfast podcast all right that's all for today don't forget to tune in tuesdays and thursdays for cake for breakfast and once again, we love our sponsor, Millennialink. And by using code CAKE, C-A-K-E, as the promo code, you will get 25% off your hiring fees now through Christmas. So just go onto their website, www.millennialink, M-I-L-L-E-N-I-L-I-N-K.com slash contact dash us, U-S, and you will get 25% off those hiring fees. So reach out, get connected, and achieve your hiring goals now.